From time to time, you might accuse me of having some unusual ideas. Uh, but how's this for an idea? This was from a Colombian artist uh, called Doris Escado, I think is her name. And she was invited to contribute a piece of work, a piece of artwork, to the Tate Modern Gallery. Uh, and so she thought about what she wanted to do. And at the cost of something like £300,000, through what's called the Turbine Hall, uh, she had a new concrete floor laid and deliberately made a crack, some 500 foot long crack, from one end of the floor to the other. It started as like a little hairline fracture, and then it gets quite deep uh, as it goes through, so much so that from the time it was there, some 15 people <laughs> had injuries from tripping, either getting their foot caught in the crack or, or, or trying to avoid it and then uh, falling over because of it. So they had to put up signs uh, saying, please watch the, the gap uh, in the floor. But she was saying that coming from a country where racism was kind of normal, where the division between us and them was very real, and then escaping that country and living as an outsider in other parts of the world, she wanted to give people that feeling of the division that exists so often in our societies. And in some ways, she didn't want to name it too carefully. She wanted to cause people to reflect on where is the line in my life which I draw between people that I think of as us and people that I think of as them. Now that art installation has, has long since gone, they've repaired the floor, but they've repaired it in such a way that if you look closely enough and if you know what you're looking for, the crack is still there, it's still visible just about in the floor. And it's a piece of work that reminds us in our lives that there are these dividing lines. Uh, that however much we try to pretend it's not there, or ignore it, or dance around it, or avoid it, all of us live with an us and a them. People that we think of as like us, people that we think of as pretty safe, people that we would class as normal, as kind of healthy, as appropriate people. And then there's them. And sometimes we think of ourselves as being different and, and normal and healthy and appropriate because we're not like them. Interestingly, uh, Doris named that art installation uh, Shiboth, which comes from an old Bible story when there's war in Israel, not war on Israel, but a civil war between two tribes of Israel. Uh, and at one point, one king uh, decides that the best way to work out whether you're in my tribe or not is to get you to say this word Shiboth, because some people from the other tribe couldn't pronounce it right uh, and couldn't hide their thick accent when they said that word. And thousands of people were killed because of the, the way they pronounced one word. And sadly, even in our world, that kind of thing still happens. The way that people talk, the way that people look, the way that people dress, the way that people behave, the stuff that people have, the stuff that people don't have. Interestingly, in Jesus's day, this us and them was really rife. Uh, even within Judaism, you had rabbis that taught very clearly what Sabbath-keeping looked like, what circumcision was meant to be like, uh, what all kinds of, uh, of dietary laws were meant to be translated as. And it's a really interesting thing that even people who follow the same God, who are part of the same nation, still draw these lines between us 
and them. And it's something that we still do today. I don't know if you've ever had that experience of, of encountering somebody who's very different to you culturally and you feel it before you think it. That there's a feeling that you have to get over. Will I stay on my side of the line or will I allow them to enter my world? Will them become us? Really interestingly, it's not long into Jesus' life, into the Jesus story, that this word them appears when Mary and Joseph arrive in Bethlehem, Joseph's hometown. Presumably there must have been relatives there, but there was no room for them. Bethlehem is a trade town, and so they were used to having visitors coming through, but there was no room for them. See, Mary and Joseph were officially unmarried, although Joseph had taken Mary as his wife, and they had a child out of wedlock. They didn't fall into the normal, healthy, appropriate picture of what life should be. And so there was no room, not for them, not in Bethlehem. I'm going to think in a couple of these reflections time about how that's not Bethlehem's only story. Uh, Bethlehem changes its view, but we'll come to that in a few weeks' time. But the point I want to land on today is that when John writes these words, he came to his own, and his own received him not. He's not just talking about them knocking on, on Bethlehem's doors. He's not just talking about somewhere to be born. Throughout all of Jesus' life, he faced the same kind of us and them. Now, isn't he from Nazareth? What good can come from there? Uh, isn't he Joseph's boy? He's just, isn't he just a, a carpenter? Isn't he demon-possessed? Isn't he a drunkard and a glutton? Doesn't he hang out with tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes? All the time this line was being drawn. And yet the fascinating thing about Jesus is that for a lot of us, when we feel on the other side of the line, when we feel like them, we seek to consolidate our position. We seek to find ways to say, well, them is fine. You know, them is good. Uh, and actually, we, we just dig a deeper crack. We, we, we just sort of build a, build a bigger camp. But Jesus does the opposite. Jesus goes out of his way to show people that he's come to step over that line. There's a really interesting part in the Old Testament where intercession, praying for people, uh, crying out to God on behalf of them, on behalf of others, is called standing in the gap. And of course, in a very real way, that's what Jesus' life does. The one who is both God and man. So the greatest divide in human history between creation and its creator, uh, between our father and his children, is bridged in Jesus. But that is not all. To demonstrate how much he wants to repair this crack, this divide, he lays down his life, he takes the blame, he takes the punishment, he absorbs uh, all of that shame and filth and sin and dirt onto himself so that when he dies, if we ask him to, that can die with him. He is the God who is not just with them or not just with me. He's the God who is with us now. So that's the challenge for us today, uh, is to try and see those, those hidden lines, those hidden cracks, those gaps 
uh, in our lives and to ask the question, am I ever weaponizing God's ways or God's word against somebody else? God's word was always meant to be a mirror for us, uh, not a sword at, at which we attack the world around us. Uh, are there any ways in which I'm, I'm judging others? Because it's really hard to judge someone and love them at the same time. And I'm not talking about discernment. I'm talking about times when we keep others out for the silliest, stupidest reasons. If we're going to follow Jesus, if we want to be part of the Jesus way, the Jesus movement, the Jesus story, we have to ask the question, am I here to be with just my people? Or am I here as Jesus was, to be for, for all people. Is there room in our lives, in our minds, <clears throat> in our homes, in our time, in our services? Is there room for the them? Is there room for others so that we can know the God who truly is with us?